Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Gyanati Milandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshula Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Gurve Namaha so Hare Krishna, thank you again for coming to Iskana DC, despite all the other attractions that are out there today. And so uh, today's talk titled The Five Desirable Things, and uh, desirable is kind of my uh, take on the familiar word purusharta. Right? There's a, the, the, uh, in the Vedas, it's mentioned that there are, usually it's mentioned four. Now, you'll notice there's a five here in this case. But purusharta is a compound word. Right? Purush means human beings. Right? And arta means something that's easy, that can be, it's, that's a desire. It's, it's something that has value that people will want to attain. So sometimes they're, they're called the aims of life or the goals of life. There are things worthy of being desired and pursued. So kind of making, you can say maybe five worthy pursuits in your life are there. We're going to start with, uh, with the four. Because in, the, the, in, in our particular tradition, the bhakti tradition, we add a fifth. The four are very widely known, but the fifth is a little bit less so. And then from our point of view, the fifth one is the most desirable and the most valuable. So there's some, we want to go through the other ones, is there's some fairly common misconceptions concerning them also, concerning the relative value of each one, also how they're attained. Sometimes there are misconceptions about that. So let's, let's just jump into it. And the, the first one is dharma. Righteousness or religiosity, sometimes Prabhupada calls it that. It's acting in a righteous way, especially righteous action. You're doing the right thing. That's dharma. And then, uh, then there's artha, or wealth, or more generally it means uh, the things you need in order to enjoy life. It can, be, it, you know, it can be health. It doesn't have to just be money. So many other things can be there. Um, the third one, kama, or enjoyment. And the fourth one that's generally listed, moksha, Liberation. And dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. And so these are con- generally considered to be worthy pursuits for the human, for human being. And so why? why? Why is dharma so desirable? There's a, kind of a one-word answer to that, which is karma. So we understand 
that our actions have a reaction. That's the law of karma. Right now, we may wonder why certain things happen to us and not others. We may wonder why we were born in certain circumstances, have a certain amount of good fortune or ill fortune. We understand that this, these are reactions from our previous actions. So therefore, it means that our current actions are creating our own future. And so dharma is acting in a way that will get us good fortune in the future and avoid ill fortune in the future. So dharma is, des is desired for that reason. We want to find out how we can act in order to have good karma rather than bad karma. So our actions produce our future. So therefore, they're important to us. So it brings good fortune and avoids misfortune. Because it happens both ways. If you do something wrong, you're going to get bad fortune. It's not just a, a lack of good fortune, but you get something that you don't want. So you start with something that if you do, if you do dharma, you can get something that's, that's desirable, and if not, you'll get something undesirable. So there's a, two sides to that, that coin. And then, uh, and then artha right, is one type of good fortune that comes from dharma. So dharma is, is, uh, uh, is important to this, this, uh, the four because it produces, right, it produces the artha, the things that we require to enjoy our lives. And then artha provides the resources required for enjoyment. So it can mean different things for different people, depending upon what our desires are. So it can it can be it can mean money. It can mean possessions. It can be an, it can be good health. It can be good good family. It can be good friends. It can be a good location where we're living. So many different things can can be can be. Uh, considered artha. Things that, that can be intelligence, right? good looks, right? charm, talent, all these things uh, can figure in to what makes us be able to enjoy our lives. So these things all come from the dharma. And then I think uh, the, uh, the kama, the enjoying life, I think the Benefits are self-explanatory. <laughs> we all desire that, so that's plain. plain. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna. That's a good question. We're gonna get to that, though. Okay, so yeah, if we, if we can save the questions more for the end, it'll be easier because what we want to do is we have a microphone coming. So save that and ask that again if, I ha if it hasn't been clear by the end of the class. Because yeah, you're, you're what you said was correct. But I think we're going to get there. And if, if, I have, and if, if I, we get to the end and I haven't satisfied you, then please ask it again. But we'll, we'll bring the microphone up because so we, we're trying to record this and broadcast it. So we want to have the questions come in that way so people can hear it. But yeah, yeah, kama, as you, as you suggested, is not the goal of life. That we, that's, why we say, that's why we're saying actually that all the different four goals of life here or the different desirable things are not equally desirable. 
And so that's one of the misconceptions is sometimes they're thought to be equally desirable. And they're not. So you, yeah, your point is quite, quite correct. So again, so why, why moksha? Why is liberation so important? Right? Aren't dharma, artha, and kama sufficient? Right? Say, for example, the rhetorical question. <laughs> you could, we could ask it at the end. But uh, because but, we, 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 can, we can think, right, if, if I'm performing my dharma, right, and I get sufficient artha and kama, life is good. Right? What do I need liberation for? There are, there's a, a, one of the Vedic darshans, the Mimangsaka philosophy, says there's no such thing as liberation. That you just, this is all there is. Now, there's a certain Vedic darshan that, that, that speaks that. Okay? So let's take a look. At the, and this, this will explain why moksha is better than artha and kama. Hopefully. So there's a problem with this, this situation where we only have dharma, artha, and kama. Okay? Problem number one says kama is, is fleeting and unsatisfying. So actually brings unhappiness. There's a verse in Bhagavad Gita. This is, this is Krishna's opinion on this. It's, it's verse, uh, chapter 5, text 22. All right. And he says, he says, an intelligent person does not take part in, the, in, in, this, in kama, in, in the, the type of pleasures that come from the senses. He says, because they are sources of misery. And he says, why? Because says, such pleasures have a beginning and an end. So the wise man does not delight in them. Hmm? So that's, uh, that, that's one issue. Is that we're dealing with, like when we have happiness, we've all experienced happiness throughout our lifetimes. Where is it all right now? Could you keep it? Say, say you could deposit one fraction of 1% of all the happiness you've had like in a, in a permanent bank account that would keep you with that much of happiness persists. Then you would be filled with happiness. But it comes, and then that sensation goes. There's the boredom factor. We do the same thing again and again and again, and it doesn't have the same result. So he says, and you may have something that gives you pleasure and you have to lose it. It's over. And then, you, and then sometimes it's even more painful than when you never had it. Right? We, we know even biologically that you reset your happiness level. Like people, you, you'll find that people, if they gain something new, some have an upgrade in their lives, they'll have a temporary period of happiness. And then that becomes the new normal and they're looking for something else. So it's not sustainable. Sustained happiness doesn't happen that way. And it sits against a background of a lack of satisfaction. We're looking for satisfaction. So that's problem number one. Problem number two, there's the issue of mortality. That whatever it is that we attain has a time limit. So even if we situate ourselves in a very, very nice circumstance, time is ticking. And there's a time when the lease is going to run out and we're evicted from that situation. That's always painful. And then you have to try it again. And then problem number three is even under the best of circumstances, there's always some kind of trouble. Say you, you know, things are going quite well for you. Do you never worry? 
Do you never have anxiety? Do you never have something that's troubling you? Right? There's, you know, it's, it's, it's mentioned that there's many different types of you know, there's, there's disease. Right? We, we age. Aging isn't fun. I'm beginning to learn that more and more every year. And, you know, there, and there's, there's, there's other, other things that cause us trouble. You know, so we have, we, have, we have worries. Our minds give us trouble. We have thoughts that bother us. People say things to us that we don't like or do things to us that we don't like. Things happen beyond our control. It's too hot, it's too cold. Storms, this and that. The forces of nature are very powerful. So even under the best of circumstances, there's always drawbacks. So the happiness is only to a degree. That's the best you can hope for. Okay. Now, Okay, that's okay. But why should I be concerned? Because doesn't moksha follow automatically from the dharma? So many people think like this. You, you perform your dharma, it produces all three. Artha, kama, and moksha. So it's just fine. You just do your dharma and everything will follow. You don't have to worry about the relative value. Well, Krishna says that's a misconception. Hmm? And so if, if, you, if you look at, the, the word here is karma bandham. So dharma, performing right activities, right? it says it's working because it's producing positive karmic reactions and trying to avoid the negative ones. But Krishna uses this term karma bandham, that karma ties us up. It binds us. So as long as there's karma, karmic reactions that are coming down the pipe, we have to remain in this world and take another birth. Because we're bound by the reactions of karma. So in order to get moksha, we have to have a different kind of dharma. It's not a, it's not a, a one-stop shopping situation. So it, it, and that requires, Krishna says, a change in the motivation. We can do the same right activities, but our motivation has to change. This is made very clear in Bhagavad Gita uh, 5.12. Yukta karma palam chaktva shantimap noti naishtikim. Ayukta kama karena pale sakto nabadyate. Now let's look at, the, look, look at this verse a little bit more carefully here. It's a, it's the, the translation here is uh, the steadily devoted soul attains unadulterated peace because he offers the result of all activities to me. Whereas a person who is not in union with the divine, who is greedy for the fruits of his labor, becomes entangled. So let's look at the, uh, let's look here at the top. Yukta means to be connected here with, with, the, with the divine. Karma palam. Palam means the fruit or result of activity, the karmic reactions. Right? Chaktva says they renounce them. See, generally when we're performing dharma, we're desiring those positive karmic reactions. That's how it's performing, getting artha and kama. We're desiring that. We're doing it for that reason. We're motivated by that. Hmm? Hmm? This is here. It's the renounced. We don't desire the result. The 
result of that is shantim, shanti, we all understand that, right? And upnoti attains, and naishtikim means steadiness. It's this constant shanti. This denotes liberation. As long as we're here in physical bodies in this world, there's always some lack of shanti, or it's interrupted at least. Maybe you have, we can have complete shanti for a little bit, but it's interrupted. It can't be naishtikim. And then it says the, the, the opposite. If you're not connected, if your actions are not done for the benefit of the divine, ayukta, not connected, kama karena pale, so motivated by desire for the fruits, the results. Right? In that case, and attached to them, then nibadyate, entangled. So the action externally may look the same. You do the right thing, but the internal motivation has to change if you want moksha. And there's a difference between getting artha and kama and being bound and not desiring those things and having the opportunity for moksha, getting out of the cycle of birth and death the cycle of reincarnation. So a different type of dharma has to obtain in order to attain that. They don't just happen automatically. Krishna is very clear about that. Hmm? Um, and so it should be clear right, why that one is more desirable. Hmm? This shantimapnoti naishtikim. Eternal peace and happiness. Instead of a fluctuating, imperfect mixture of happiness and distress that we have here and something that does not satisfy us. The, the fact that we're looking for happiness should tell us that the background is a lack of satisfaction. Right? Why do we look for? We think we have to endeavor for happiness. Why? Because that means our default setting is not satisfied. It's unsatisfied. We take that for granted, but that's not our natural state. Our natural state is the liberated state. Shantim naishtikim, constantly satisfied and, and peaceful. So by trying kama, uh, uh, artha and kama, we're just trying to, to, to fix something that can't really be fixed. That dissatisfaction is like a black hole that consumes all the good things that goes into it and leaves us still unsatisfied. All right, so now let's take a look at the fifth Purusharta. This is, this is given to us, this, this is exclusively understood by the bhakti tradition. That there's something even better than liberation than this shantimapnoti naishtikim. And that is prema, love of God. It's higher than liberation. This is given, um, Lord Chaitanya speaks about this in the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. We'll give a couple of verses here. This is uh, from the Adi Lila of Chaitanya Charitamrita, chapter 7, text 84. I mean, he mentions these uh, four ar artas. Religiosity, dharma, economic development, he calls it the artha, sense gratification, kama, and liberation, moksha, are known as the four goals of life. But before love of Godhead, 
the fifth and highest goal, these appear as insignificant as straw in the street. So he's saying there's a fifth goal that makes the other ones pale in comparison. And he goes on and explains a little bit why. This is in the next verse. For a devotee who has actually developed bhava, devotional ecstasy, the pleasure derived from dharma, artha, kama, and moksha appears like a drop in the presence of the sea. That's what he says. And this is confirmed in the, in the Bhagavad Purana, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, in the teachings of Lord Kapiladev. And he says, and there it's, it's in the, uh, chapter 20, Canto 3, chapter 29, text 13. Kapiladev instructs his mother, his mother, Devahuti, and she says, devotees of the Lord, the bhaktas, would not accept liberation, even if offered by the Lord himself, if it didn't involve continued service to the Lord. There's a, a verse in, in Lord Chaitanya's um, Shikshastakam, is the, the eight prayers that he left behind, where he says that, that, the, that I don't want anything from you, just your devotional service, birth after birth. That's what he says. And so he says, if, if, if you could have liberation, this shantam, the shantam naishtikim, complete, pure peace forever, eternity, the devotee who has tasted this ecstasy of devotion of serving Krishna wouldn't take it unless that service could continue. There's a difference between the differences between distress, peace, and ecstasy. This is the difference. So in our current state, we have distress or a lack of peace, a lack of happiness. We're trying to mitigate that, working to do it. And our success rate is not so great. We still feel distressed. We're still worried. We're still unsatisfied. We're still seeking happiness. Hmm? Then there's the chance for peace, liberation. Complete satisfaction and peace eternally. But according to those who've experienced it, there's something much higher than that. In, uh, in, in the Bhagavad Purana, Shukadeva Goswami says uh, to, to Prakshad Maharaj, he, sa- he says that the, the Leela of Krishna, his pastimes and the relationships between him and his devotees, he says, it's built on this peace, on self-satisfaction, Atmarama. It starts at that level. There's never anything less than that. And it grows out of that. There's love. So the peace can grow into ecstasy of a lasting type. And so for, so for those who've experienced that, uh, this peace seems like very tame stuff. Even if you could be here in this world suffering the the. the inconvenience of, of that. If you could have that peace, that ecstasy, that would be greater than having the peace. Because you have the peace, peace is already built in, and then there's love. That's why Krishna is doing it. He's by nature already, he's got full peace, he's fully satisfied. He's got everything. But why does he have Leela? Because it turns into love. 
something higher. So from the bhakti perspective, this bliss of serving Krishna makes all of the other four seem insignificant. And as you might expect, it also takes a different dharma. Just like moksha took a different dharma, then it also takes, devotion takes a different dharma. And Krishna gives a simple explanation here in, in, in Gita, in chapter 9, text 32. Engage your mind always in thinking of me. Become my devotee. Offer obeisances to me and worship me. He says, being completely absorbed in me, surely you will come to me. That's, that's his advice. He sums up uh, his instructions in Bhagavad Gita with a very similar verse in the 18th chapter. So, so if, you really want, if you really want your dharma, if you want to get the highest possible thing, this is the dharma. Engage your mind always in thinking of me. Become my devotee. Offer obeisance unto me and worship me. That's his suggestion. And this verse can be even made more concise with this, which we've already experienced today. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare. By chanting Hare Krishna, right, we're doing that, we're, we're remembering Krishna, right? so we're thinking of him. We're chanting with, with devotion and, and, and respect, so we're bowing down to him. Right? We're showing our devotion, we're becoming, the, we're, this is an expression of devotion. He says, become my devotee. So everything that's, that's given in that verse can be done through the, through the chanting of Krishna's names. And the wonderful thing about it is that you can begin, you don't have to take my word for it, that there's something wonderful that comes from it, you can begin to feel it. The powerful thing about this particular type of dharma is that it leverages our real position. It's our very core nature to be servants of God and to be lovers of God. And when we even begin to try to practice it, just try it, do a little something, very quickly you will feel something beautiful inside you. Srila Prabhupada always calls it the higher taste. Param drishtvas, an experience of something higher. you will experience a particular joy. It's not going to last eternally yet. You have to, you, your devotion has to become steady for it to last, but you will feel it. You will know that there's something there that, that's higher than peace, that's higher than, than regular happiness, and it will encourage you to continue. Just by chanting this, this, this mantra, it can produce this eventually love of God this, this Baba can come out later first you'll get some, some hint of it and it's eternal just like just like this uh, Shanti Naistikim from Moksha it doesn't fade away it doesn't get boring in fact it says it only increases So according to our bhakti tradition, there's one real goal of life that fulfills all of our potential. So.
So thank you for your kind attention. And if there are any any questions or comments or complaints, please, you can air them now. Thank you, Prabhu, for your enlightenment. It's a really wonderful subject you started. Uh, I was just wondering, with all the five phrases you have here, and uh, beginning with Dharma, mm. you also mentioned about the before we start with Dharma, you have to have a set goals to start Dharma. Now, I understand that Dharma is a relative term in terms of all rest of the term phrases you mentioned. So I'm a little confused as to uh, if before we set up the goals, the goals have to be a constant goals, irrespective of people's wishes, where they are going from there. And then once you set up the goals to get to moksha, so how does it work? Are they interconnected with each other? And how, how you interpret that? Thank you. No, it's, it's a, by, by, by performing, you know, acting righteously, doing the right thing, that automatically, if, if, you're, if you have those desires, right, if, you have, if you have a desire to, uh, to be happy in this life, right, you, you, want to have, you, need the, you want the facilities and the opportunity to enjoy happiness here in this life, the artha and kama. So simply by doing the right thing and avoiding the wrong thing, right, that will happen. Karma just works that way, and so the and the the, th the you know the things that you will desire will come to you. you know? If you want moksha, though, then you have to change the motivation behind your dharma. Right? Krishna said very clearly, he says you you have to then not want to desire the, the the material things that come from that dharma, and you have to dedicate the results to to him. You offer that with devotion. The results, and so in that case, that will produce this shantim apnoti naishtikim. So you have to change the way you approach it, and then for prema, you have to engage in direct worship of Krishna. So three different dharmas for the five different, or the four four results. There's five things. Besides them, there's four other things. There's three different types of dharma. So, so you, it depends on how you approach it, what you get out of it. Thank you very much, Prabhu, for a very enlightening class. Uh, I have one question. Like you said, if you do the right things, good karma, good things happen, like good thing comes. Then why do bad things happen to good people in this world? Like we see that so often. Mm. Well, of course, this is from, we don't always do the right thing. This, this is the challenge also that, that, that uh, Arjuna uh, asked Krishna in the third chapter of Bhagavad Gita. He's asked, he asked Krishna, he says, why do sometimes I do the thing I don't want to do? Almost as if it is balavat, almost as if I'm forced to do it. Right? So, do any of us always do the right thing? And have we always in the past? Because right? right now, we're getting the results of our past activities. We're making our future, and now we're getting the results of our past. 
And so if we are receiving things that aren't very pleasant, right, that shows there's a mixed, we have some mixed reactions, some mixed karma coming down to us. Generally, it says people that come, are born as human beings, they have a mixture. That's what happens. And so, yeah, we, we, we've... Uh, and so even if somebody now has changed, changed over, they're doing all good things, well, then they, in future life, that will come. Well, I think there's, uh, there's no more questions. There's prasadama. Is there one more? Oh. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So you said that, well, you didn't say, but you mentioned that the, the Vedic texts say that prema is the highest goal and all the other goals pale, pale in comparison mm. to that. Mm. Uh, my question is, why make uh, those four your goals at all? And why not just make prema your utmost and only goal? Well, that would be wise. <laughs> the, the, what, what, the reason why the other goals are, are there is because generally people don't have faith that that's possible. So everybody who's born in this world is attracted to enjoying material things. Right? And so the artha and the kama goal is present there to get people to act in good ways. Otherwise, our tendency is to do things by hook or by crook. Right? We say nice guys finish last, the end justifies the means. So if we just want, if we, we, people will think in a short-sighted way that if I, you know, why don't I just do whatever I can, whether it's good or bad, to get what I want. And that will cause them devastating karmic reactions. So Krishna tries to guide people Say, no, no, if you want to enjoy in this world, if you want to have a good life and a good future, then you have to act properly. You begin to teach them some self-control. From there, more intelligence can develop. Then they can say, well, look, even if I do all the right things, there's death. And then, oh, liberation sounds good. <laughs> and then if, if, if you do that, if you begin by not desiring material things so much and looking for liberation, you can hear about prema and, oh, that won't make sense. So it's meant to capture all different types of people. But somebody who's ready to say, look, I want the, I want the ecstasy of serving God eternally. And then there's no reason to worry about the other. Though, though they, no longer, they no longer have, you know, they're no longer relevant to your life. But at least we want people to come to the point of not hurting themselves and others by acting in harmful ways. Oh, one moment. Just, just one second for this. I want to miss your comment here. Just want to add, uh, you asked about the prema. Somewhere I read that uh, prema, love, is only the journey to the destination. So the destination here is a Krishna's devotion. And love would take you there. This is what I heard somewhere. That's Thank all right. You. And, it, and it, it's, it, it's uh, I mean, of course, it... It's the, the prema is the, is the joy that comes from that devotion and comes from that service. And so they're, they're kind of one and the same. So you can say one, one takes you there and the other, the other one also can take you to, the, you know, they both can take you to that destination. But the, the idea is, it says that, that, that the love that, that somebody has for God increases. 
it just increases. So the prema, the, 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 love, the love and the feeling of, of happiness that comes, it simply continues to increase. Just like when we have, you know, sometimes we build relationships with each other, right? And as, we, as, as the relationship grows, then we have greater and greater happiness in each other's company. And so it says this happens eternally in, in Krishna's presence, that the love that he has for us and the love that we have for him simply increases. And so it's not, it's not that we're desiring the happiness as much as we're desiring the service. The, the happiness is a byproduct. Because why? If you love somebody, it's, there's a good feeling to it, but you want to do something for them. That's the, highest, that's the higher pleasure. And so when, when we, can we... Krishna is the all-attractive. So if we can understand how wonderful Krishna is and how he cares for us, we will want to do something for him out of gratitude. It's gratitude. If you, have, if you, love, your, you love your child, you want to do something for them. Their happiness is your happiness. Actually, um, there's a, a, a commentary at the end of the Chaitanya Charitamrita where, where, where Srila Prabhupada says that the, the devotees their only notion of happiness, the only way they can perceive happiness is by seeing that Krishna is happy. They don't even have a notion of personal happiness, even though they'll be happy through that. <laughs> they only are concerned, and Krishna is concerned about us. There's this verse in the, in the Bhagavatam where, where Krishna says that, that the devotees have only me in their hearts, and they know only me, and I have only them in my heart to know only them. It's reciprocal. It's beautiful. So we have that opportunity to be that closely related to the Supreme, even though we are tiny. So that should make us just joyful and grateful and feel indebted so this love, devotional love, is, 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 is like this debt that we feel we can never repay because we've received something so beautiful. And Krishna feels the same way. That's pure love. What should come very naturally to us, which is the love for Krishna as a soul and connection to super soul? Why is it a upstream journey that we have to, you know, really struggle and then achieve it, rather than it coming spontaneously to us? I mean, I'm saying in general, mm -hmm. looking at the world today. No, it's good because we have so much momentum in the other direction. You see, we've been, we've been, we've taken so many births in this world. And we, are, we have been trying to find happiness through external things, through material things. And therefore our attention, we've forgotten ourselves, really. And you know, how, There's an expression in English where you lose yourself in something. Right? We have lost ourselves in that. We've lost our center. Right? And so even when we try, that's why it says it takes devotion, devotion takes practice. It's called sadhana. It's practice. So we try to do it. And even, the, even though we will, f we will feel some of that happiness, still there's so much momentum in the other direction that our attention will be taken away again from that. So it's, it's said that even when we take up the practice, it will be anishtata. It'll, instead of like naishtaki, it'll be 
unsteady. So sometimes we will feel the, the motivation, sometimes it will feel less, it will be thick and thin. But if we continue to practice, right, and continue to, to, to remember that the happiness we feel is our real happiness, then the fluctuations will decrease. All right. Thank you so much. I think there's a prasadam waiting for you. And the <laughs>